0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFillipo. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, what's going on?
1: Bill, I've been pushing it for years. I'm happy we're finally doing the live podcast of a Penn State basketball game. Uh, of course, the Mining Nittany Lions up six right now on St. Francis, Brooklyn. Uh, your thoughts on the game so far?
0: So I haven't gotten a chance to turn it on because I've just been, like, wrapping things up here. And also, this is a BTN Plus game, right?
1: It is. I have also not watched a single second.
0: Yeah. I mean, if it, it, I, I hate that. I mean, I'm not paying for BTN plus, so I'm just going to have to trust what uh, people at the game say. And Penn state is, uh, you know, struggling with St. Francis of Brooklyn, which listen, I, I, I think Matt, if you have any expectations for Penn state basketball, this season, not you specifically, Matt, but like, a General person listening to this, you shouldn't do that. Uh, I don't disagree at all. Did, did you get a chance to watch any of that UMass game?
1: Uh, I did. I watched Trent Buttrick. Um, looked like he was on the 92 Dream Team. Um, so that was fun. That, I, that was the most obvious thing that was ever going to happen and the most maddening thing that was ever going to happen. 19, so that was fun.
0: Nine, six, three steals two blocks just oh God there's a uh, we uh, we love ourselves some Penn State basketball but uh, listen it, it was the uh, it was the bad marketing slogan for the last version of the team but this team really does have quite a way to climb uh, to get from where it's going to end up in the Big Ten this year to where hopefully Micah Shrewsbury could take them but we'll get to basketball another time we're here to talk football this week. The Nittany Lions play host to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the noon kick on BTN uh, Senior Day. There's going to be a list of uh, Penn State players honored. We'll see who they are, where they're from, what they did. As long as we love them, uh, we everything will be OK. Uh, Matt, you haven't been on the podcast in a while, though, and a lot has happened since your last time being on here. Do, do you remember your last uh, last cameo on here?
1: Oh, I have no idea. That maybe would have been. No, we talked after Ohio State.
0: Okay, so it it has still been uh, a moment and it feels like a lot of stuff has happened in that time. The most recent uh, bit of this comes from uh, Neil Riddell, the managing editor of the Altoona Mirror, who has been covering Penn State football since the 1970s, tweeted out verbatim earlier today. Another twist to the ongoing James Franklin saga. Franklin got up at the state college quarterback club lunch on Wednesday and offered his firmest declaration yet on job speculation saying, I'm not going anywhere. The crowd of 175 to 200 gave him a rousing ovation. Matt, this is, uh, th- this is a bit of news that, you know, it ultimately doesn't mean anything. Uh, we need to see James Franklin put pen to paper on extension and extension. We need to see what that extension is, blah, 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 blah. But, I think as we're sitting here, that's probably, at least publicly, the best bit of evidence that we have so far that James Franklin is sticking around after this season, not going to be jumping to LSU, to USC, to uh, UMass, to Georgia Southern, to any of the other Well, U- right.
1: UMass is already allegedly going to be filled.
0: So. Oh I mean, yeah, there's, 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 there. there's a report that UMass is going after Don Brown, and listen, uh, good luck. Uh, so, But I, I want to get your thoughts on that quote from Neil Rudell, and then just the last couple of weeks of Penn State football where, uh, you know, things have I, I don't want to say they've gone off the rails. I don't want to say anything like that. But, you know, it just feels like we're in this this malaise as we rush towards the end of this season.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, It feels like more of a slog now than it has all season. And it was a concern of mine, like, way back in September that this team was peaking too early. Um, And lo and behold, that was the case. So that's never fun. Um, But as as for the news about the potential... Um, extension whatever it's officially going to be you know termed as I think it's good like I, I'm always been in the camp that you stick with Franklin because he has taken this program further faster than I think a lot of us expected and sure like I, I hate this idea that the program is bottoming out this idea that you cannot lose games or have bad years just absolutely blows my mind like ev- Every team loses games. Every team has bad years. Like, I don't know how much you want to put into the COVID season. Again, I've always been a firm believer that it doesn't really count for anybody. Excuse me. Uh, So I get that in theory, this is back to back, quote unquote, down years. But it's just a bit frustrating that a lot of people don't seem to still understand exactly what Franklin is providing. So I think it's great that he's going to be sticking around long term, potentially. I hope it contains everything Penn state needs. I went on my whole tirade last time I was on about, you know, people being frustrated that they don't want to spend that money without the results. And, and the point I made was you're not spending money to keep pace with Georgia and Alabama. You're spending money right now to catch them. And then you have to sustain it. Like there's still a lot with like Haluba, especially is a thing that needs updating. Like there's a lot that has to go into this new contract to give Franklin what he wants. And I hope that they are able to deliver. And it sounds like just based upon that one tweet, that's probably going to be the case. So I'm really excited to see where things go from here and, what Franklin can make this program into when he has everything he wants and everything he needs.
0: Yeah. I, I think this was uh, I, I think this was something I said on uh, the podcast I did this past week with uh, Andrew Rubin, but it, it, there's a very NFL mindset that creeps in when you hear someone go, well, you got to fire the coach. He's not getting the results. Or You got to punish the coach. He's not getting the results. You know, he's at, uh, you know he's at this record over the last couple of years. That's unacceptable. If he's asking for something, you can't give it to that. Like, no, that's that's not how college football works. The way that college football works is there is an arms race that is perpetually happening, and you either say you are willing to participate in it or you fall behind. And you mentioned that Penn State is already behind the eight ball. I mean, there are. There have been examples of this over the years of just Penn State not quite at the level that it has to be at, though. Like when Bill O'Brien stepped in. uh, Well, I was going to say when Bill O'Brien stepped in, that was the thing. But uh, go go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Real quick, what's the alternative to not spending well, the money? You stay
1: stagnant. If you stay stagnant, you end up as Nebraska. Look, if somebody wants to be Nebraska, that's fine. That's not what I think James Franklin or any other fan base here wants. Like, doing things a certain way because they've always been done that way is not a way to do business in 2021. It's not a way to run a football program in 2021. So, this idea that, like, Penn State is such a special program that they can get by running things like they did for 25 years is ridiculous. Like, the the world and the game has evolved. You either evolve or you fade into oblivion. And Penn State is wise that they're learning from the mistakes of the Nebraskas of the world. Because otherwise, that's going to be us in a not insignificant
0: amount of time. Yeah, I mean, when I – there was – uh, a thing that I got a chance to do back in 2014 before Franklin came on board and I got I, I got to go around Lash a little bit and just got walked through some of the ways they think that they needed to update it at the time. There was uh, a piece that I saw going around uh, that Nate Bauer of Blue White Illustrated did in 2017 where after the 2016 season James Franklin was talking about this then and said all right we're at the we're at a bit of a crossroad and Penn State didn't do what it had to do with that crossroad so I'm glad I'm glad that it looks like they're doing it you know we won't say anything for certain uh you know hopefully they win this weekend and then uh you know off of some good vibes from winning a football game winning two out of their last three they decide they're going to announce it. Matt, were 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 you uh, online today when we played a we played a fun little game involving James Franklin and that coach at uh, Michigan State?
1: Uh, No, I have been absolutely swamped at work uh, for like the past year seemingly, which is why I haven't been on in a while. So no, I did not see what happened today. What happened?
0: So uh, today, uh, well, last day or two, there has been a report. There's been reporting that Michigan State has decided they are going to give a nine point. A 10-year, $95 million deal to Mel Tucker on the heels of this season. And I am very glad that Mel Tucker is getting paid. He's a good football coach. I mean, you and I have our thoughts on uh, how sustainable we think what he's done is. Uh, I'm in a bit of a wait-and-see mode to what ends up happening next year with Michigan State. I know you're in the same boat. But Mel Tucker has been a head football coach for three years. In two of those seasons, his team has finished below five hundred. okay? James Franklin is in his eleventh year as a football coach. How many more times do you think James Franklin has finished below five hundred than Mel Tucker in four times as long of being a head coach?
1: I know he went six and seven at least twice. He lost a bowl game at least twice, I want to say when when he was at Vandy. Am I right? Is that right? I'm,
0: I'm I'm waiting for an answer.
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say he did... That happened... He was at Bandy three years. Okay. Or was he at Bandy four years? He was at Bandy was, three years. Okay, he was at Bandy three years. He won 10 games his last year. And I think he went to back-to-back bowl games, which is a big deal. I'm going to say Jimmy has had two losing seasons in 11 years.
0: Yes, he has had the exact same number of losing seasons as Mel Tucker. Like, I, I think— they, the, Were they
1: six and seven? Were they both seasons? Were they six and seven? Uh,
0: Last season uh, and his first year at Vanderbilt, yes.
1: Oh, wow. I, for, I didn't even think about last season. I thought they were both at Vandy. That's how little I think yeah. about the 2020 season. Well, wow, well, I mean,
0: that, that counts as one of them for Mel Tucker as well. But not neither here nor there. The point is that they're— there's this weird thing that's happening where the last couple of years has made people think James Franklin is not a good football coach. And like, I don't think he's a perfect coach by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think there are any good, perfect football coaches by any stretch of the imagination, but there was this quote that Kirby smart gave, uh, a, a, a few weeks ago. I don't remember exactly what it, uh, give me a second. Here it is. Uh, the quote was There's no coach out there that you can outcoach recruiting. No coaching is going to outcoach players. Anybody will tell you our defense is good because we have good players. If you think James Franklin is the guy to get the best possible player into Penn State, you need to make sure he does not go anywhere and the program is in a place where James Franklin is able to get as many good players into Happy Valley as possible. If you think he is not the man to do that, then I understand wanting to move on from him, Matt. And this will be the last thing before we start talking a little bit of Rutgers. But if you think that is the case, be fine, move on from him. I get the sense Penn State's not thinking that way, and I get the sense for that reason James Franklin is going to be Penn State's coach heading into the 2022 season.
1: Yes, I agree. Also, show me who's a better coach at Franklin. That's realistically interested. I, I would, I would love Matt Rule as well. That buyout and that time in the pros is not going to be something easy uh, to work around. So I get that. I, I totally understand. Like with the, the appeal of, of Matt Rule, it's not happening this year. It may be in the future. It's not happening right now. So it's Franklin, yeah. and th- and that's a. I don't want to say you're stuck with him because that's a that's a really great coach to be stuck with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm very happy that James Franklin is going to keep being Penn State's coach. And I I have a feeling, you know, will reportedly, 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 reportedly. we'll we'll put we'll put that in there for the Warriors. Uh, I I think next season might not like I think Penn State might take its licks next season. Uh, I think next season might end up being uh, a, a tough one. For the team, but I think it's going to be laying the groundwork for something pretty good going forward. So let's, but before we get to that, we cross that bridge, let's cross the bridge that is there this weekend against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Going 5 and 5, nude kick on BTN. Penn State is a 17 point favorite uh, at home over Rutgers. Matt, I want to just get your general thoughts on this game because it feels like whenever Penn state and Rutgers have played over the years, yes, Penn state ends up winning, but no, it's never in a way that anyone feels particularly good about.
1: Yeah. That's what Greg Shiano does uh, really well. He just makes uh, games that should be blowouts, just really disgusting um, losses for his team and wins for the other team. So, I'm a bit nervous about this one. I'll be honest. Like, I feel like Rutgers, this is the best Rutgers team since they've joined. No, maybe not. They were pretty good in 14. This is one of the best Rutgers teams of the past decade and probably maybe a top two team since they joined the Big Ten back in 2014. So and they're on the cusp of bowl eligibility. So they're going to be playing up. They want to get Penn State while they're down. and And I totally see the window being there. But with that being said, at some point, Talon is going to have to win out for this Penn State team, and I know it didn't happen against Illinois, but, you know, like we talked about after that game, every single possible thing that went wrong for Penn State had to go wrong for them to lose that game, and, you know, this team is more mature now, they're more experienced, I don't see that happening again, so, overall, I think this is going to be a really disgusting game. I do not like the 17 points, I, I've taken the points uh, in that regard, but feels like a game Penn State can win, you know, by 10. And, you know, it feels a lot closer than that because it's on a last second field goal or whatever, or, you know, a late field goal to, you know, push things out of at a striking range. So this feels like a game. I'm not going to have fun watching, uh, but I am excited for the senior day festivities. I mean, I'm interested to see uh, when that list comes out, who's being honored. I think that'll give us a really good glimpse into, you know, who's coming back and who's going to take advantage of that free COVID year. So, That should be, that should be, that's honestly the most intriguing part of this whole weekend to me. 2018,
0: Penn State beat Rutgers in New Jersey 20 to 7. 2019, uh, Penn State beat Rutgers in Happy Valley 27 to 6. 2020, Penn State beat Rutgers in New Jersey 23 to 7. That game was so ugly, Matt. I am going to read to you Penn State's passing numbers from that game, okay? Hit me. I'm kind of scared. Sean Clifford, 15 for 22, 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The following players caught passes: Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith, Brenton Strange, Isaac Lutz, Devin Ford. Keandre Lambert Smith had four for 25 yards. Jahan Dotson was Penn State's leading receiver with four receptions. How many yards do you think he caught for? He went for. I'm sorry. What was Parker again? Was he? What did 24. Uh Keandre Lambert Smith, four for twenty-five, Parker Washington one for twenty-nine. Jahan Dotson led Penn State with four receptions for how many yards? Thirty-one. Ooh, sorry, price is right rules. The answer was thirty.
1: That's terrible. That's yeah. also that's also my favorite. That's also a very that game was probably in December too with COVID. That's December like a 5th. very that's a very late fall Big Ten receiver stat line. That
0: is that is
1: disgusting.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that because Penn State's last two games of the year, um, Michigan State, which they won, and John Dotson went for 108 yards. Uh, following week, December 19th, against Illinois, Dotson, 189 yards. Neither here nor there. Let's talk about this football game. Uh, Penn State, in addition to being a 17 point favorite, over under 46, Bill Connolly uh, at SP Plus has Penn State winning this game 31 14. So Rutgers. Sh- Uh, That would would be a push for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, What are just your general thoughts on this particular game, Matt? Because this Rutgers team, it's coming off of a really good win last week. I I mean, they beat up. It's been a tough couple of weeks for them. They got blown out by Wisconsin uh, last week in uh, Bloomington. They ended up whooping up on Indiana. I think you are right. I think this is... Probably the best version of Rutgers that we have seen since they've joined the Big Ten. I still think that they are a flawed team and one that Penn State should be able to beat. Uh, and I like, I, I, I we'll, we'll get to predictions in a bit, but I think this is going to be one of those games where Penn State scores like a touchdown in one quarter, a field goal in the next quarter, a field goal in the next quarter, and a touchdown in the next quarter. And Rutgers just doesn't score, and it's a really disgusting football game. I can't – like, I can't see a path where Penn State runs away with this football game. Can you see that kind of path?
1: Um, I can see it, but I don't think they're going to take that path, if that makes any sense. I think – well, let's be honest. This is, this is audition. This is the final audition week for 2022. Like, you're not going to play – You know, guys who have secured their redshirt against Michigan State, you're probably not going to play them in the bowl game um, unless we're in like the quick lane bowl against uh, Central Michigan, which would be fun. Fire up chips. Um, So I think this is an audition game. I think this is the kind of game where you can rotate dudes in and see who's ready. I know last week we saw a lot more of Juice Scruggs at center uh, and Bryce Effner in there at guard. This is a great game to get everybody more reps Mm -hmm. there. Landon Tengwall has three games left. His red shirt's set. Like, he's appeared in one. He has three available. There's three games left on the schedule. Let's see what he can do. Like, this feels like the kind... Christian Bayer already confirmed his red shirt. So, like, if you think he can hold you down if Cliff's a little bit more banged up than usual, hold you down for a series, let's see it. Kezea Holmes, I'm pretty sure, has secured a red shirt this year, um, despite the fact that he played and scored in 2020. Uh, Let's see what he can do. I think this is the kind of game where it's close by design and then you hope it doesn't come back and bite you in the butt. So
0: Uh, God, I I hate this because like that's probably the same vibe I had coming into Illinois. (laughs) I know. And that's the frustrating. That's the frustrating part. I
1: I do completely agree. It's the same vibe as the Illinois thing. um. But again, I feel like the offense has really evolved since then. I don't know. I thought Mike Yurisich called a phenomenal game against Michigan Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's going to be some exceptions to some certain play calls, but overall, I thought that was a really good game plan. I think the offense is having a better grasp of what they're doing. So also, hopefully, um, the sting of losing P.J. Mustapher and those guys now knowing what they're doing will not lead to Illinois running backs running for like 10,000 yards. So um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, So I'm just very intrigued to see. How they keep this thing close, because the way Penn State's going to try to keep it close is going to be very fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see who rotates in, who plays where, what roles they play, uh, and hopefully it doesn't bite them in the butt. And if push comes to shove, put the starters back in and just throw it to Jahan, and mm-hmm. you'll, probably, you'll probably be okay.
0: Rutgers 74th in SP plus 100th in offensive SP plus 28th in defensive SP plus and 76th in special teams SP plus. Matt, let's start with Rutgers offense against Penn State's defense. Um, It's not particularly great sledding for the Scarlet Knights on that side of the ball. Their offense 11th in total offense in the Big Ten, 11th in passing offense, 9th in rushing offense, 11th in scoring offense. To me. I really see one way that they can move the ball with any sort of certainty, and that is to get it to their standout wide receiver, Bo Melton, who I think is a very good football player. The issue is I don't think I trust starting quarterback Noah Vedrall nearly enough to be able to get him the ball. Are there any ways that you think Rutgers is going to be able to have any sort of success against this Penn State uh, defense?
1: I think it's going to be deep shots, I'll be honest. I think that we're starting to see an evolution of the cornerback room with a lot more John Dixon and a lot more Kalen King um, and, and a lot more Daquan Hardy. Like TCF and Joey Porter Jr. have given up more than their fair share of big plays this year. And I think... You know, the the staff has acknowledged that, and I think they've made some really good changes. So I think short routes aren't exactly going to be there. I think they're playing really well. If you beat young corners, I always find it's that you're able to get them a little antsy and you can beat them deep. So I'm curious to see if that's a big part of their game plan. And then it's running the ball. I mean, Penn State's run defense has really evolved. I really want to give a big shout out to Devon Ellis and Kaziah Izzard, because I think they're playing really good football and setting things up very nicely. Um, but I think there's still going to be a few lanes there. They're still green uh, on that front. But overall, you know, those aren't really winning form- formulas. Like you can try to run the ball against Penn State and, yeah, you're going to, you know, maybe break off a chunk play here and there. But that's not going to be sustainable. Uh, and the same thing with deep shots. You're going to hit a few, but it's really hard to build the whole plane out of that. So I'm not particularly nervous. Again, this is not a very explosive offense. Uh, that's not really what it's designed to be in, in its current incarnation for Rutgers so I just really want to see another dominant performance by this defense and I want to see some dudes really help their draft stock with some solid games I want to see at least two turnovers and I want to see AK continue to look like the most insane defensive end Penn State has had uh in quite some time
0: yeah I mean listen I'm not I'm not going to disagree I would like it if Arnold uh had himself one hell of a football game, I'd go as far as to say that I think that would be pretty good. Uh, I think that you're basically right. Uh, Rutgers does have some talent at wide receiver. They're not a bunch of world beaters uh, at receiver by any stretch of the imagination, but Melton is a good player. Uh, Shamim Jones had a good game a few weeks ago against a not particularly great Michigan state secondary Uh, had eight catches for 109 yards. Uh, and they also have Aaron Crookshank. Uh, he was a player that Penn State recruited a bit at a high school. I started his career at Wisconsin and is now uh, at Rutgers. Uh, he's had, you know, he's caught balls in several games this year. He had uh, broke a big one against Ohio State uh, in Rutgers was there. But when it comes back to, Their starting quarterback, Noah Vidral. I mean, he's a guy who, on the season 60.5% completions, 1,590 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, been sacked 14 times because he is a bit mobile 83 carries, 267 yards, 3.2 yards per carry for two touchdowns. Vidral is not a guy who has had a bunch of big games he torched Delaware this year for 323 yards that was his only game with more than 208 passing yards on the season and last year against Penn State he was 17 for 30 113 yards and 14 carries for 56 yards one touchdown through the air I mean I I think that's kind of the give and take in this game Matt I think they have guys who can make plays if you can get them to football on the outside i don't think rutgers has a guy who can get them the football and that's their entire issue uh and then when it comes to running the ball i don't know about you but like the draws threat as a runner i'm not too terrified of that isaiah pacheco has been there seemingly forever I mean, he's only a junior it feels like he's been there for five I'm sorry, years what yeah I thought it was like a sixth year. Oh my god! So did I. Yeah, and on the season, Pacheco, 146 carries, 554 yards, and five scores. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, no. Uh, uh, maybe he. Oh, uh, you know what? This might just be how he's listed because of the COVID year. But he played in 2018 and 19, 20, 21. So he's played. This is his fourth year of football. I guess he's technically a junior if he wants to be because of the COVID year. But whatever. Uh, our uh, Kyle, uh modern guy, 59 carries, 227 yards, four touchdowns. Aaron Young, 36, 136 and three. Even though they have some talent at running back, Matt, I just cannot see them running the ball with any level of consistency against this Penn State defense. I think Penn State's defense, particularly against the run, is just so stout that they're going to make the draw with this game. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree. And that's how you exactly want to excuse me. That's exactly how you want this team to try to beat you, you know, put it on your quarterback, who is fine. Uh, And with this Penn State secondary, that should be more than enough to get you the turnovers you need to put this thing away um, in gross fashion. But maybe if it's a if if the defense plays the way I think they can play, this could probably be a blowout. I just don't think that that's what we're trending towards, just based upon how things have gone the past few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, and this, this leads pretty nicely into uh, talking about the other side of the football. Um, I think Penn State's defense can come out and put forth a dominant game plan. I think that Rutgers, again, a 100th in offensive SP+, not particularly great at any individual element of moving the football or putting the football into the end zone. I think that it could be one of those days where Penn State's defense comes out and goes, we're just going to put the clamps on you. We are not going to let you do much of anything. You know, Maybe you're able to get a couple of first downs through the air because you have some talent there, but like, I, I think this has the potential to be one of those games for Penn State. It's when you move to the other side of the football where Rutgers 28th in defensive SP plus, they're... No, their under their raw numbers aren't particularly great. Ninth in total defense, eighth in passing defense, eleventh in rushing defense, eleventh in scoring defense. But when you look at what the advanced stats say and their ability to do the stuff that SP Plus tracks, they're able to keep you from finishing drives with a ton of consistency. There's you know it's finishing drive success rate, big plays, turnovers, and they've done enough that they are the twenty eighth. Defense in college football by SP+. They have a very veteran defense, coached up by a defense coordinator in Rob Smith, who has been gr- around Greg Schiano forever. In Greg Schiano, who knows how to coach defenses, I meant to mention this with their offense, their offense coordinator, Sean Gleason, uh, one of the best young offensive coordinators in all of college football, uh, was actually the guy who replaced Mike Yurison in Oklahoma State. That'll be a fun little subplot to follow along with. But Back to Rutgers defense, Matt. Rutgers defense, redshirt senior, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, senior, redshirt senior, redshirt, senior, redshirt junior, 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 grad transfer senior. They have a lot of guys who have played a lot of football going up against a Penn State defense offense that is seriously lacking in confidence right now. I don't think it's crazy, even though Rutgers defense, you know, it doesn't have five-star guys all over the place. I don't think it's crazy that on a cold nooner in a half-filled Beaver Stadium, maybe Penn State's offense is enough for this, and this Rutgers defense is able to keep them from getting seven in situations where they should, from getting three in situations where they should, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think this
1: could be a really... Interesting matchup, especially along the offensive line. Um, like I said, there's a lot of moving parts there, it looks like, right now, especially with, who knows what's going to happen with, Sh- with uh, Scruggs and with Effner and Miranda. And I know there's some, you know, chatter going around right now about some guy's health with, uh, with like, a stomach bug, I guess, or whatever kind of illness is going around. So who knows if, you know, Landon Tengwall is going to be called upon. I hope he is, but still, that's going to be – he's going to take his lumps first. Every offensive tackle does, especially in the Big Ten. So – I'm concerned that they're going to hit them with some very unique, like delayed blitzes, some very, how do I want to put this? Some very, not wonky stuff, but some very aggressive, I guess I'll call it some very aggressive defensive play. I don't think this is a Rutgers defense and and that's not Chiano's mantra to, to play on their back foot. I think they're going to attack and try to rattle Sean Clifford, rattle the offensive line and get in the head of Clifford and the running backs as quickly as they can and then make the offense one-dimensional. And I think Penn State has the talent to be able to sustain that and win a game with that strategy, but nobody wants to see that, especially as we're on game 11, that this offense still feels very one-dimensional.
0: Yeah, and they have talent uh, on their defense. You know, we, we mentioned how many guys they have that have stuck, that have played a ton of football. Their back seven has been... Quite productive. Uh, Oakunle Farukasi is a linebacker who has just been incredibly productive for them this season. 81 tackles, three and a half sacks, uh, two pass deflections, two forced fumbles. A guy who finds his way around the football and is going to be really important in that chess match uh, against Sean Clifford and whomever the center is uh throw in the direction of Max Melton, brother of Mo and he's Bo and he's gonna do some stuff. Team high three interceptions and five pass uh passes defended. Uh they have another guy their defensive backfield, Kashawn Abraham, who is also able to uh add a little bit of nasty at their defensive back positions. But I think if Penn State has a cause for for optimism, it's that Rutgers' defensive line, it's not stellar. I mean, they're a group of players who not exactly the biggest dudes, not exactly the most physical dudes up front. And I think Penn State's going to be able to get a little bit of a push against them, uh, their nose tackle, is a guy by the name of Julius Turner who comes in at six foot, 275 pounds. I think this is one of those rare matchups where, you know, I don't think Penn State's going to win all the time up front, but I think there are going to be opportunities to win a bit up front. And they just haven't really had the chance to do that all that much this season. Other defensive tackle is a guy. Uh, by the name of Mayan Ahanotu, who's 6'4", 285 pounds. Again, this is a middle of that Rutgers defense that Penn State could push it around just a little bit, Matt. I think that Penn State has an opportunity to run the football a bit. I think they have an opportunity to get some push up front. And if they are able to do that with what we've seen out of Kayvon Lee in recent, you know, in the past week or so, I think there's a potential here for Penn State to do something and Penn State to be able to control the ball a little bit. You know what I mean?
1: Look, the holes have been there for Kayvon Lee. Like the offensive line, don't get me wrong, it's been disappointing. I'm not defending that at all. But the holes have been there. Kayvon Lee, for some reason, just wants to make sure everybody knows he is hard to tackle and runs into contact instead of into green grass. Um, So I think the holes are going to be there because they've been there more often than I think a lot of people uh, are willing to admit. So it feels like a game where you can teach Kayvon Lee to run to open space as opposed to into a safety. Um, And then I'm hoping we see... A little bit more out of, I don't even know who the second guy I want to be at this point, because it's clear Kane's not healthy, and I don't want a guy out there who's not healthy. John Lovett is what he is. Uh, I, I don't, that in hindsight, taking him as a transfer, it's still probably a net positive, but at this point, you're kind of just taking reps away from from Lee or even Devin Ford or Kazea Holmes. So I want to see this be the game where Kayvon Lee says, I'm the bell cow in 2022, and whoever the guy behind him is probably number two in 2022. So Let's start figuring out who that's going to be and, and let's get that offensive line some confidence and these running back some confidence.
0: Can I tell you one thing that I am a bit excited about?
1: Um yeah, hit me.
0: Chris Olave against this Rutgers defense. Five receptions, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Garrett exactly. Wil- Garrett Wilson, three seventy one and one. Jalen Naylor. 5, 221, and 3. What I am saying is, you can get some big plays down the field against this Rutgers defense. And this is the last time Jahan Dotson is ever going to play football in Beaver Stadium in all likelihood. He's 7 yards away from 1,000 on the season. One touchdown away from 10 on the season. And he's right on 80 receptions. Take everything that I just said about the running game and what I how I want to see Kayvon Lee. I, I agree with you. I want to see him bell cow it this week. I would not be stunned if they decide this is Jahan's last game. In all likelihood, we're going to send him out with the bang against a defense that you can go out with the bang against.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't really want to see it because I want to make sure he's as healthy as possible for Michigan State, and for the bowl game, so I'd be happy with his, i saying say, you know, your eight touches and done uh, is really what I'd prefer to see out of him, but with those eight touches, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. I think this could be a really big game for Keandre Lambert Smith, and that's who I'm looking at. Mm. Uh, Parker Washington, we already know what he is. He's, he's so much better than I think, I think I even realized, so I'm very curious to see um, what Keandre Lambert-Smith does. And I'm curious to see if, like, Liam Clifford or Harrison Wallace gets run running here, too. So let's start figuring out what things are going to look like post Jahan Dotson. Also, uh, I was vamping there a little bit to pull up some information. Jahan Dotson is three touchdowns away from tying for second place all time. Who would he be tied with?
0: Tying second place all time. Bobby Engram? Bobby Ingram's number one
1: with 31 career. I don't know when the last time this Wikipedia page on was updated, but I'm just going to say it's right. Okay. Bobby is number one. He's tied right now with Dion Butler with 22. Okay. And the th- uh, who is number two?
0: Isn't it Dion Butler? Did you not just say that?
1: Sorry, he's tied with Dion Butler for third. Excuse me.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, Jordan Norwood. It
1: is not. It is Kenny Jackson, actually. Uh, with 25, which blows my mind that a Penn State receiver in the early 80s had 25 touchdowns. I bet they were all from like five yards out. <laughs>
0: uh, I was hoping that uh, I was hoping that you were going to say that Joe Jaravicious was a touchdown catching machine because I remember watching him uh, for the Bucks one time on Monday Night Football and going, "Hey, that that, that guy was like pretty good." Uh, Jahan
1: is also he is five catches away from tying Allen Robinson for third all time. And seven catches away from tying Deshaun Hamilton um, from catches at all time. Only would be behind. Uh, I'm sorry. Wow, that was terrible reading. Deshaun's number one with 214. Dion Butler's number two with 179. A-Rob is third with 177. And Jahan is fourth with 172. So eight catches moves him into second all time in yeah.
0: career receptions. God, Deshaun was here forever. Goodness. Uh, let's, the, the one final thing that I find really interesting is something that James Franklin said this week where he said – uh That Christian Bayu has basically become the team's number two quarterback, and he is uh he's the guy who's going to be coming in in the event that Sean Clifford is unable to play. I think you're talking a lot, Matt, about by starting to gain information for the future. I think that's probably the biggest bit of information not not that that you know it's the be all end all for him or anything like that. I think that's the biggest bit of information that we could get right away that he looks like someone who, you know, I think there's a lot of assumption. The answer next year is going to be Drew Aller or a transfer. Well, if he looks like he knows what he's doing, guess what? He's someone who has an entire year under Mike Yersich's offense who is going to be going into an open competition next year. That is a job that should Sean Clifford decide to go to the NFL be his very easily.
1: Uh, I said this on a Twitter space we did about the value of the three star and just finding a guy who can know your offense and get you to win clunkers. Um, I don't want to put Vayer down, but I think that might be his ceiling. And the fact that he is already what the staff thinks is ready after not playing football for a year and sitting on the bench all year. The fact that the staff feels he's QB two already uh, is a very promising sign for that in Penn State's future. So that's only good news, in my opinion.
0: Do we know for sure if it's Vayu or Vayair? Because I remember it, someone saying it was Veyu, uh last year, but I, I might have that wrong.
1: I know the, uh, the fine folks on Lions 247 on their podcast say Vayair, So uh, okay. to not sound foolish, I have been emulating what I had heard prior.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I, I I trust Sean and Tyler with all Penn State things. So that's totally fine. Uh, last couple of things before we, uh, before we call it, Matt. What are just some things that you want to just broadly things you want to say see out of Penn state this week? It seems like the biggest one from where I sit and hearing you speak is you want to hear, you want to see Penn state get into a position where it can get young guys a decent amount of run. Is there anything else that you want to see other than that? I don't know
1: what else I can be shown at this point. That's going to make me change my opinion. And and that's kind of where I am at, at this point in the season for a lot of teams I'm not, obviously, I want to see a good senior day story. I want to see guys get a win. I would love to see, you know, a walk-on get in there and, you know, score a touchdown. That's obviously the the best case scenario. But I really just want to see what we have going forward because I, I'm not the kind of guy who believes that this season is over because you lost a couple games. I still want to see, you know, progress. But overall, now I'm just ready to see who is the future of Penn State football because, Let's be honest, we're not going to be able to speculate on that. Uh, well, we can speculate, but we're not going to see actual real life things until uh, September of next year because they're not going to play uh, against Michigan State in all likelihood and probably in the bowl game. So I want to have things to be excited about that are going to, you know, keep me thinking about this program in February and March. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. And maybe that's not the best thing to be you know, thinking about as we still have two games left and you know, there's still decent bowl slots on the line, but that's kind of just where I am at this stage of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I I think my, my answer is I want to see them put themselves in a position where they have some level of confidence, some level of spirit about them heading into next week where, you know, we'll half seriously but also half with my, you know, My life depends on it saying I want them to win the land grant trophy. (laughs) But at the same time, like you look at what next week has the potential to be. It has the potential to be a Penn State team that has a big, comfortable win and is puffing its chest out a bit after beating Rutgers in its home finale going to East Lansing to play a Michigan state team that is licking its wounds off of getting molly whopped by Ohio state. And I don't know if Penn state wins that game. I don't know if that's even going to happen in Columbus this week. What I want is that if Penn state is able to put itself in a position where it can do to Michigan state, what Michigan state has done to Penn state so many times after beating Ohio state, after losing to Ohio state, I want that to happen. This group deserves having that sort of thing, being able to go out with that kind of last Big Ten hurrah, you know, before finding out you're spending, you know, Christmas in Nashville or whatever it is. So if they can come out and they can really make a statement here, Matt, uh, I would be overjoyed over that again. Spread is 17. Total is 46. Bill Conley has Penn State. Winning by seventeen by a final score of thirty-one to fourteen. What say you? What is your predict- prediction for this game? My guess is it's not in the ballpark of what Bill has at that.
1: Uh, no, it's not. Um, I'm going to say, oh man, twenty-eight. I think Penn State can put up four touchdowns. Uh, twenty-eight, seventeen. That feels right.
0: Ooh, I, I think you're giving Rutgers a lot of credit on offense. Like, I, I struggle to see how this Rutgers offense, unless there's a defensive score and a turnover that puts them down on like Penn State's 15. I just don't think Rutgers can get to that point offensively. I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think this could be one of those games where Penn State has two quarters where they score a touchdown and two quarters where they get a field goal, which would put them right around 20. I'll bump that up a bit and say 23 and I'll put Rutgers at like at, I'll put that seven. So I'll say Rutgers covers, but it's a 16 point win. Uh, You know, it's not a blowout, but it's one where Penn state wins comfortably and they have that little, just a little something as they're heading into their season finale. Um, Would anything shock you other than a Rutgers – like, would it shock you if Penn State came out and just firebombed them? Because, like, I guess I can see that happening, but, I, you know, it's just – it feels like this is not a Penn State team that blows teams out.
1: Um, It would be fun to see a very um, reinvigorated Jimmy come out there and just say, like, I do not want anybody to ever um, think that this Rutgers team will compete with us in recruiting around the field ever again, and then he just – does his best to drop 90 on them that would be very fun
0: I can yeah see that. yeah like, like what uh what, what he did to maryland for a few years after um you know after the randy edsel you know the handshake game what he did in that series when dj durkin was their coach before michael oxley got in there that that sort of thing more or less
1: exactly it basically yeah basically 2019 uh maryland is what i'm looking for <laughs>
0: Yeah. And then the last thing is like, I, I just want to see a bunch of guys playing football and just being free and having fun in it. Like, I think I might've said this in the pod. This is the first Penn state game I will have attended since 2018. And like, just personally, I've never seen Jahan Dotson play football in person. I've never seen Sean Clifford play football in person. The only person on this team who I have seen play football Maybe Ellis Brooks got some snaps in a game or two that I went to, but the only one who I know for sure is Tariq Castrofield. So, like, I'm just excited to get out there and watch Penn State play football because it's been a minute for me. But it's going to be – I like, I think this has the potential to be a fun game. Uh, I would be shocked if they lost it, candidly. Like, I – you know, I've said that a few times this year, but I just don't think Penn State is going to lose this game. I don't think Rutgers has the offense to win this game, but – who knows what ends up happening? Uh, Matt, any, any final things you want to say? Any th- final things you want to talk about before we wrap up this episode of the pod?
1: Um, No, I'm bummed that Purdue Northwestern is also a uh, a Northwestern Nooner here because I would have loved to have gone to that because it's right at Wrigley Field. Um, oh yeah, so, this,
0: that's the Wrigley game. I forgot about that.
1: So if I'm going to watch garbage football at 11 a.m. on a Saturday, it's going to be my mighty Nittany Lions <laughs>
0: not not the I, uh, Wildcats. Wh- one thing you might not know is that uh, hi- history happened at the Bryce Jordan Center a minute ago.
1: Oh God! Did um did the shot clock work?
0: <laughs> oh good God! Uh, no, I- I'm I'm not sure that that seems like it's probably a bit too much of a stretch. Uh, but for the first time in his Penn State career, Sam Sessoms has scored at least twenty points. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love Sam, man. Like, I, I I, watch a lot of basketball, and Sam Sessoms is, like, a point guard after my own heart. So I'm very glad he was able to get to 20 tonight.
1: I have a ton of, um, like, food voucher coupons from when I was a, a student there and with the blog. Um, I probably have, like, 25 of them. I wonder if I went to a game ever again if they would take them as actual currency. I wanted to get a chicken waffle taco, which I remember when I was like a junior and I was I went to the game in the press like row thing there and I saw like four people walk by with it. And I didn't think about anything else for the entire rest of the game. Like I think my recap took me like an hour to write because I was just so fascinated by what a chicken waffle taco was.
0: I mean, you're putting a chicken tender inside of a waffle and putting some syrup on it, no?
1: I think that's what it was, if I remember correctly. But like just seeing it there, like underneath, like it was like walking taco, chicken waffle taco. And I'm like, this feels like such a BJC thing just to have. <laughs> no one's going to get them. And
0: then everybody got them. It was amazing.
1: I'll never forget mm. it.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully uh, hopefully you are able to get something. So you, you live in a city. I'm sure there's someplace that, that once, once we hang up this podcast, I'm going to look up places in Chicago that potentially have chicken waffle tacos because I want you to be able to go have one. But
1: we will... There's, we a, will, there's, an, there's an arepa place. Uh, arepa, arepa, whatever it is, arepa. right by my apartment. That looks amazing. And I'm really debating um, venturing down there one day this week or on the weekend to get some get some food.
0: Yeah, have you never had an arepa?
1: I have not, no. Ooh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Bolivian place. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's a Venezuelan restaurant. It's called yeah. Bolivar. Yeah, in Lincoln. So maybe I'll venture down there. It has four po- 0.9 stars, so it's got to be good.
0: I mean, have you had dinner yet tonight?
1: Um, I'm trying to eat what's in my fridge, so I had four hot dogs uh, without buns and Dijon mustard. It was a very, a very sad dinner tonight.
0: And on that note, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you go and get your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. Keep reading and supporting the site. best way to do that is to make sure you're buying some t-shirts. Make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.
1: Greg Schiano is the football coach version of Hot Dog Water.